This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Chase to Must podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. The new Atlanta restaurant thrives off of a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine and is already racking up the awards, winning Best Selling Taste in the Taste of Atlanta Awards both in 2017 and 2018. So if you're in the metro Atlanta area and are wanting to try something new and good and delicious, go to Panko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. You'll be glad you did, I promise. Panko Chicken, where eats meets West. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. We're recording tonight's episode on a Thursday evening. Um, Kenny Omega might already be officially an AEW roster member after we're done recording. Who knows? I don't have my phone next to me because it's bad podcasting. It's a little rude. So I am staying away from the news for the last hour like we're all focused on markel fultz being an orlando magic but no i am i have moved on to kenny omega at the top of the AEW card as my primary focus as double or nothing um gets closer and closer uh but on the other line he's back for his second appearance i believe it's brad shepherd one of my favorite wwe writers out of raleigh north carolina brad good evening how are you sir I'm good, Chase. How are you? I am. I'm good. Uh, I I'm ready for Kenny in AEW. I'm so glad that um, he is not going to be uh, seen on WWE NXT anytime soon. That 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 warms my heart because uh, it, it's where he needs to go. And just I I didn't want to see Vince McMahon get his hands on him because uh, no good things would come of that. I could imagine the gimmicks he would have. Yeah, I mean, the biggest test for me with Vince, and I wrote about this, is that um, I don't know if you agree, but we could talk about this because it is something I wrote about a couple weeks ago that I firmly believe that Velveteen Dream has the most upside of anyone in NXT, maybe anyone in the company over the next 10 years, like the best chance to break over and become just a the John Cena, Hulk Hogan type where everybody knows who this person is, but he has to drop Velveteen. Like that part has to go. It's too gimmicky. It's like flirting a little bit too much with No Way Jose if he gets in the main roster. It's just too silly, too over the top. But if it's just the dream and he talks in third person anyway, there's like it's just like the man and the best in the world. Like there's just something about the rock, the dream, the whoever that just sounds more legit. And just call and we know Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream, and all that. But like, just the dream and him evolving that character to just one that's very serious, big time, that kind of stuff. Um, with his physique, what he can do in the ring, what he can do on the mic, it's just 
there's no one who comes close to what he can do. But it, what Vince does with him and how he handles Dream once he gets in the main roster is going to be it's going to be fascinating because this is one they can't mess up. He's 22 when all of their roster is like 36 years old. Um, it it's just this is the guy. This is the one that you take the most care of because this is someone you could build around in your company for the next 15 years. Um, it's it's fascinating. But do do you agree with that sentiment that? dream has the most upside and the most potential of anyone on this roster right now. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think you make a lot of great points. Uh, I think he has the most potential of anybody in NXT. I think he's the total package, Uh, but I think you bring up a good point specifically about the, the gimmick perhaps limiting what he can do in the main roster. Like I can see the lazy booking of just turning him into a comedy act, a mid card comedy act. So, uh, I think that's a great point. Uh, so I like the idea of him just becoming the dream. Uh, but certainly he's the total package. He has all of the tools. And frankly, he needs to be on the main roster right now learning from the best in the industry, um, not in NXT. So um, I'd like to see him get that chance to uh, show the world who Patrick Clark is. The right answer here is John Cena. Um, who has already talked about Dream, and I believe he said he was the guy he wanted to wrestle in NXT a few months ago. Um, John Cena apparently might be wrestling Drew McIntyre WrestleMania, which just, oh my God, um, could have been Lars, who I'm also very not in on. And I, yeah. the, the mental health stuff aside, which is just really sad and unfortunate, and I hope he gets the help he needs, it's just more of like, I was never a Lars Sullivan guy. I, these big guys, it's the same story over and over again. It's the Snitsky, Vladimir Kozlov, uh, Brodus Clay route, all of it. It just, we know how these end up. Unless there's a couple like the big show, Braun Strowman, there are a couple that get away from that and end up being okay, but the majority turn into comedy big guy acts and it's just really sad and annoying. So it's like the idea yeah. of this, the mega push with Lars Sullivan with John Cena was just like, yeah. <sighs> are we really doing this again? Can John Cena not do something bigger? Like even EC3 would probably be my most realistic pick of just like when Edge and Christian were talking about how EC3 reminds them the most of John Cena. Like you could see it. You could see a good promo between the two of them. EC3 has some mainstream potential. That would be interesting. I think, um, but Drew McIntyre is just the farthest thing from interesting right now. And a lot of it's not his fault because Roman Reigns going away really sabotaged what he was going to be able to do in the fall and heading into the spring. Cause it seemed like he was poised for a big time feud with Reigns. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think dream would have been perfect for Cena this year, but it's, I, I don't know. Like they're kind of running out of options for him in NXT and I don't really, know what the holdup is maybe with the international shakeup that's coming he's uh in line but i i think with him it's kind of like thinking about the nba draft in some ways where it's like he's one of those guys who he needs to go to the right team and have the right coach and the right veteran in his locker like vince carter is right there with trey young and just having their lockers next to each other matters he yeah. needs someone at 22 where he's going to be handed the keys and he's just, he seems with his social media presence and all that kind of stuff that he's someone who could go off the rails and really do more damage to himself than he needs to. Kind of like the Leo Rush where he kind of said some things, some dumb stuff on Twitter and then he got buried for a while and it was, it was rough and you're like, oh God, is this just it? This super freak of nature who's just so good as a cruiserweight, did he just cost his whole career because he just said a dumb thing as a young kid usually does? Um 
I I just I hope he gets the right guy, and I don't know who in the locker room. I don't know these guys personally. You probably have a better answer to for this than I do, but I just hope he finds the right mentor and the right vet to keep him honest, to keep him focused, because he is just he is the total package, and these guys don't come along very often, especially at the age of twenty two. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the keys will be allowing him to have some creative freedom, kind of allowing him to show what he can do. I think one of the uh, one of the challenges that they have, you know, in stars today coming onto the main roster is everything is so scripted that it doesn't allow that breakout moment. So when you get someone special like a Patrick Clark coming in, uh, you really have to give him a little bit of leeway once he's earned it and uh, let him show what he can do. Yeah, and I think he should get that opportunity. Um, he's just, you see him, and it, it's just, you, you get the look, and you get the appearance, and you get the, the presence, and you can't teach a lot of what he has. And that's how you just kind of look at him. You're like, this dude just, how do, you can't mess this one up. I can see them messing up a lot of guys, but this one, you just you just can't. And uh, we'll see. Um, do you think he gets called up during that shakeup, or do you think he's in NXT for a, a while longer? Jeez, I certainly hope so. I, I hope he does. I don't see a reason why they would not. Um, if NXT is supposed to be any semblance of a developmental, and we could debate that certainly, uh, then I don't see why he's still there. What is he still learning at this point uh, that he couldn't be learning on the main roster? You know, so maybe they're protecting yeah. him because they're worried about him being on the road and going full Enzo or something. Maybe that's part of the, <laughs> uh, the trepidation of keeping him yeah. on the road with everybody else. Uh, wearing the belt in the club uh yeah like i i mean i would be like just thinking about it he's 22 we just can't discount how young he is for the spot that he's in like that just thinking about who we were at 22 and just being handed the keys like that it's just it's a lot and oh yeah i I, if they were playing the long game here of like we got to keep him in the tampa bay full sale incubator for as long as humanly possible to protect him from himself uh, from doing whatever and just making a dumb young guy mistake and costing him uh, his career and all that kind of stuff, whatever it might be like it, maybe the better play is to just keep him for a while longer. Cause he is so young where it's like, what is the rush? Um, maybe Vince will not be running the company in three years. And if <laughs> dream stays down long enough, he can avoid Vince McMahon getting his hands on his character. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. Speaking of uh, Lars Sullivan, this is, Maybe a little bit off topic, but you brought him up. And, you know, I was never big on Lars Sullivan uh, at all. In fact, I didn't get it. And I do tend to like some big wrestlers, but not big because they're big, but, you know, the big guys who can work, who, you know, are versatile, who can cut promos, that kind of a thing. I, you know, it's not the 80s. They have to be able to, to work to a degree and they have to cut a good promo. But, you know, mm-hmm. that was never really Lars Sullivan to me. I just, I didn't get it, and they pushed him as a monster. You know, he's six three, two eighty. But when you get out of NXT, there are a lot of big guys in the roster. His size are bigger, uh, so I, I didn't really get it. But I just my my memory every time someone says Lars Sullivan, you know, granted the anxiety thing is terrible, and you know, I, it, I'm not talking about that. But every time someone mentions him, my first thought is the match he had where he uh, sold the black mask that missed by like two feet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he dropped to his knees. But it was a delay, right? It was like three seconds after, you know, he did it. And I'm like, what just happened? He's like the only guy who's capable of having two NXT TakeOver matches against 
um, Cassius Ono and Alistair Black and just completely underwhelming in both of them. How do you fuck yeah. up those two? Like Cassius Ono, his body looks <laughs> terrible and everything right now, but I mean, I, it's still, he's still one of the best wrestlers in the world when he gets the right matches and that kind of stuff. But like Black and Ono and still bombing, like I, it's just the size thing. These guys, they just get these yeah. opportunities where I'm like, what is the point of this? He's not yeah. moving any merch. He's not moving any tickets. Like he's not moving the needle. Those kind of guys, like the under the giant types, people are not amazed by those guys anymore. That's part of the reason the two hundred five live struggles for the inverse. In that everybody can work like those guys now. You right. have AJ Styles, who works the same style as um, the Buddy Murphy to an extent. Like it just it doesn't feel unique like it did in WCW in the 90s. Like, there's just something different with the way work. Like, you can go watch PWG if you want to watch 205 Live. You don't need to do this. Exactly. Um, and I think it's the same thing with big guys where it's just like, yeah, we we got it. We He's big. Okay, what else? Um, you've got to be able to do other stuff. It's just no one's mesmerized by guys like Lars Sullivan anymore. You're just like, so can he wrestle? Like, if I do, I have to watch him wrestle Johnny Gargano and <laughs> Aster Black when they could be wrestling other people that are actually good. Why do we need to do this? It's the Jinder Mahal thing and everything else, where it's like they're they were born in the wrong era. Uh, yeah. I think what we've learned is Lars Sullivan is the Jaleel Okafor of professional wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> we're like you could see him working out in 1985 in WWF. Like yeah. that's his era. Yeah, it's just the wrong era. People will shit on him. It's like, what are we doing here? Like, this is a gigantic waste of time. Where is Ricochet? Where is he? Are we really doing Lars Sullivan? Um, but yeah, uh, another guy, Ricochet, that I'm very fascinated by how they handle him for a different reason because I, the, we're just all over the place. But we can talk about all kinds of stuff in wrestling. We still have our we have our, we have our stuff that we're gonna hit. But this is just on the mind. And I feel like this is something I've been itching to talk about anyway. Is that like. Ricochet is a different kind of guy too, where it's the way he works. Are they looking at it like, do we have three years before he has to drastically change his style because he like broke his back in half? Like how long do you think they have? Cause Ricochet, I believe is 30, but do you see him working the same way he is now at 35? I don't like it, medicine's getting better sports medicine and all that kind of stuff. But like, I I have my doubts that he's able to do the crazy stuff that he's able to do even in just in a couple years. Like I yeah. I wonder if you pull the trigger now and you're like, what, dude, you're wasting time in NXT. If you want to make merch off this guy and you want to turn him into a superhero on the main roster, uh, you need to make your money now because he is one yeah. devastating injury in NXT from just being a horrible investment. Because if he does and that does happen, which I don't want it to he has to change everything. And then you're like, what is ricochet? The character is he's a superhero and right. kids are going to love him. Kids are going to eat that stuff up, but I don't think it's something that could work seven years from now. Right. I agree. That's a good point. And another point you've kind of, kind of made that I think is underlying here is a lot of these guys like ricochet who come from the independence, they're getting signed a little bit later uh, you know, they're close to 30 years old when they come into NXT, sometimes older. And, you know, you look at EC3, you know, he's in his he's in his mid 30s now um, and, and just now getting his shot again in WWE on the main roster. And he's almost old enough you know, to be the NXT champion. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, you, you kind of, in my opinion, it's it gets to be a now or never situation with these guys in NXT they're either going to be ready for the main roster at some point or they're not. 
and and I just don't understand keeping so many of them so late into their careers in NXT when it's their prime earning years, right? Um, Ricochet is another one who I would have on the main roster. I mean, I agree. I, I think a lot of these guys, there's just it just depends on how much money they're making with these guys in NXT. Like, are you are you leaving money on the table with these guys just sitting there? But then again, they just had their highest revenue ever this past year. Like, they billion dollars. Like, their the Saudi money was uh, very good for them. Um, it turns out, and that was my biggest thing with creative and people who are like, uh, "Raw sucks. Why aren't they changing anything?" It's because they're making more money than ever. They don't give a shit. Like. Lower right. attendance, they don't care. Vince McMahon is all about making money. That is what he has always been about. He does not care. He can experiment with um, whoever he wants. He could keep Brock Lesnar champion for the next seven years, and their bottom line doesn't change at all. Like They're just making so much money everywhere else, and they can expand beyond their reach with this Japan stuff now and Middle East and build all these different NXTs. Like, they can all be shit. Like, NXT UK, that show is awful. Like, I cannot believe that show oh, yeah. exists. Um, yeah. The takeover was fine, but, like, there's just, there's too much content, but that content makes them money. And it doesn't work. It makes things like transitioning from NXT to the main roster very difficult because you never, like, there's no system. Like, the NXT cops from a couple of months ago still don't even have a brand. They're just around, and you never know if they're yeah. going to be on which show. Like, there's no plan. And we're, everybody gets frustrated. It, it's like this never-ending cycle. We're like, I wish they would just have a plan and stick to it and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, they're making more money than ever. They don't care. It, none of it matters. Yeah. It's very nihilistic of me, but like Vince McMahon still runs this thing. And people just forget that part of it where it's like they don't feel like they have to make these kind of huge changes. They don't have to put the belt on Balor. They don't have to do any of that to save the fan because they know they've already got those hardcore fans regardless it doesn't matter. It what matters is if Vince's pockets really get hit, and right now they're not at all. He's making more money than ever. Um, it just it just doesn't matter. He doesn't care. The creative's not going to get better. Yeah, the the creative is is not good, especially when you get outside of the wrestling bubble and compare it to really what it is a primetime TV show. When you look at uh, other primetime TV shows, how to get away with murder, or you know pick one that you may like and you compare it to the storytelling and the characters of say a Monday night raw. And there's no comparison. And, you know, they're going to have to start drawing in that casual audience once they get to Fox, you know, and plus let's be honest. I mean, who doesn't want more money? Who doesn't want a bigger audience? I mean, you know, you, you've driven away a lot of viewers. And I think if you had better compelling storytelling, you could draw in obviously more of that casual audience. So, you know, I, I just don't think everything's on autopilot and their model is not, you know, a show that gets huge ratings. It's not just a live event business. You know, they have the network now where everything has been cheapened as far as content in the industry. So they have, you know, globalization and all these different things in place from a, a business standpoint that have really grown their business. Uh, but at the same time, it's more watered down and it's less compelling uh, than ever. They also have the money to sign anybody. That's the other thing. It's like they don't care. They just want to lock guys up. They want to now they're in that business more than ever. They want to sign whoever they can long term. That's why they're meeting after SmackDown to lock people up. And even if they're unhappy and making these promises and like pushing their revival now all of a sudden and everything else, they're just they're trying to lock them down. But then that will fade in a couple months. They'll change their mind and they'll make different decisions and they'll go a different way. And it's just I 
I want AEW to be a real challenger, and I think they might. In some capacity, we'll have to see what happens with the TV deal. But, I mean, Vince is still going to make a, a bunch of money. Like, it's still going to happen. Even the XFL. Like, they hired Bob Stoops. Oliver Luck is running it. Like, that might be just – it's not going to be a challenge for the NFL or anything like that, obviously. But, like, will it be more successful than it was the first time? I would actually probably bet on it based on who he has running it and just kind of what they're doing. I think it's going to be more successful than the AAF, um, which is not off to a great start. But um, I just – he's just got his hands in so many things it's all about kind of you brought up globalization but i think it's more of like a monopoly thing with him where he would rather just have all the best talent in the world he doesn't really care how it works out for them creatively it's just he likes having all of his toys he likes having the option uh just having it sitting there and just knowing that if he changes his mind on on a whim he can do that because he has 93 different options but like the idea that he cares about having a, a distinct plan for each guy and sticking to it and making it compelling and trying to make people actually want to watch three hours of Monday Night Raw. He doesn't care. That's the reason Raw is three hours, not two hours. Because there's more money in three-hour Raws than two hours. The show's exactly. always going to be worse <laughs> being three hours. He knows that. Like, this company knows three-hour Raws are terrible. They, yeah. they, It's just really hard in 2018 to create a really good it's hard what it's whatever year to have a three-hour compelling wrestling show like it's hard but what they do instead is they have youtube shows which what i mean by that is if you look at their youtube page you know how they book their episodes of raw because they built them around segments that they can put on youtube in five minute splits that's because they know many people are not just going to sit at home from eight to eleven and watch this product start to finish. I still don't know how people watch Raw live every week. It, it blows yeah. my mind. Um, but that's what they do. They know if we can just have a couple moments, like Becky Lynch has this segment, we have this other thing, and we'll have five minutes of Seth Rollins doing this, and then that's it, and then they'll move on. People are like, oh, that's not that bad, but if you sit through the whole show, you're like, is that, what is Dana Brooke doing? What is Titus O'Neil? Is Natalia still here? Is she a babyface or a heel now? Is that Jeff Jarrett? Like, there's just, they, they know what they're doing in a lot of different ways, and it works, and it makes money, but is it ever going to be good? No, but that's not their concern. Raw is three hours because it makes them more money. SmackDown might go to three hours on Fox because it will make more money. Will they know when they do it that it's going to be a worse product? Of course, but they do not care about the product. They care about making money. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's autopilot. You know, they're not, they're not doing a lot of things that are outside the box that are relevant to current day society. Um, that are really reality-based or relatable to an adult audience. You know, there's just a lot of missing there. You're right, it's a monopoly. It absolutely is. They've created that through their business strategy, but it's a monopoly. Um, They are the machine. There's no question about it. Yeah. Well, you know, they might lose Randy Orton, which brings us to the first thing I want to talk about specifically tonight, um, who it turns out he was the guy. um, Rumors were swirling for the last couple days of which guy they targeted which top guy AEW has reportedly thrown big time money at uh, we know the locker room was stunned at what chris jericho got so you you would assume that what they offered orton is uh, significantly bigger than that i would i would guess um orton has been in this company for 17 years orton is kind of basically a part-time guy now he's kind of a 
Um, he's he's someone that picks and chooses when he wants to compete. He's kind of like in that Lesnar zone where he's like, I'll work with Finn. I'll do that. Um, and he'll do a couple things and he'll disappear for a while. Uh, he has a family, all, kids. All, he's just, he's done everything he could possibly do in this company. But when there's something that sparks his interest creatively, he'll do it. Like the Viper stuff and him attacking Jeff and Ray and doing like a modern spin on the Legend Killer stuff. But I was surprised it was Orton because he doesn't seem like someone that Cody and the Bucks would target. But then again, maybe Cody and Orton are friends back from the legacy days and that there is a mutual respect there. And um, the more I thought about it, because I was like, it just what's the point of getting a WWE? Like, but then again, you're thinking about it and you're like, you know, like Orton, just getting one, just getting one WWE lifer would be fascinating because if they pull one, Dean Ambrose isn't even big enough for this, where it's like, this dude has just been a staple. Like people just associate Randy Orton with the WWE and just putting him in that world and letting him work against people he's never worked against, like Paige, Omega, whoever. Um, it'd just be fascinating. It would get people talking. It would motivate Orton because he seems like someone at this point in his career only gets motivated when he's challenged to new interesting things that fit him creatively. And guess what is all about creative? That's the that's what AEW's pitch it, that's what they're pitching right now, right? Like this is a wrestler first promotion. We want you to have your characters. We want to make sure that you are doing stuff that satisfies and fulfills you creatively. And Randy Orton seems like he is one of those guys who is very choosy about what storylines to get into, what he wants to do and all that kind of stuff. Um, he has a lot of sway, I would assume, in this company. And I, I like it. I, I didn't think I would talk myself into it, but I've talked myself into Orton making sense in AEW. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it would make for some cool matchups. But, um, you know, when they talked about not being a roster of a bunch of older guys, um, you don't want to fall into that trap. You do need a main brand wrestler if you're going to be mm -hmm. on TV, right? I mean, you're going to have to have a big name or two to get on to a Turner or something. You're going to have to have some, some name value. And so I get that, um, you know, at the same time too, you don't want to turn into the, the impact wrestling or the WCW right. model. Right. And I think that is the risk here. They signed Jericho, which I get. Um, but if you start doing too much of that, you know, I, what I see is a repeat of a WCW or an impact wrestling. And the evidence we have so far is that that model doesn't work. Trying to yes. trying to replicate a WWE doesn't work. What they should do is what Global Force I thought was going to do, which is something that I pitched years ago when that first came about. Was like, just do. I mean, the WWE is trying to do it now of trying to being a world company that has just home bases in Japan and India and wherever. Like that's the play is where you're just like we're going to work with New Japan ROH. Um, progress, whoever. Like, we're going to work with everybody and we're going to bring everybody in. And AEW having unique contracts where they're like, all right, we're going to have some NG, NJPW guys. We're going to have Okada when he wants to. We're going to have all the, the Lucha Brothers. We're going to have all the, these different guys that come in and out, mixing in even with the talent that sells the advertisements on TBS and all that kind of stuff, like an Orton-type, Goldberg, whoever. Um, 
you need a little mixture but that's the thing is like don't go full tna where it's like christian cage is our building block and then we're going to bring in all these other guys like don't do that i don't think orton would be their building block i think you just have him as one of your top chess pieces but you still have the right mixture where people tune in they're like this is just the best wrestlers in the world across the globe they have the big names they have the nobodies they have the mid carters they have just the right mixture of everyone i want to see that's the bigger thing is like i want mixture of everyone all around the globe working together um to put on the best wrestling show possible like that's what global force should have been like just we're signing everybody across the world and they're working when they want and that kind of stuff and that's how we're going to compete is we're going to be just the best wrestling show on planet earth with with the best talent all over the world and i think that's what AEW is going to end up doing yeah it always kills me when i would watch impact wrestling and they would bring in a mid-card wwe act and they would like yeah. immediately put the belt on them right it's like talk about devaluing your brand right because they're right. basically telling you look we've got this name brand from another company who really wasn't good enough to be a star but we're going to bring him in and we're going to put the belt on him over our current guys who've been loyal to us right away. Um, and I always thought that was a big mistake and actually damaged your brands. I agree. And, but that's not to say you don't bring in a couple of those underutilized guys. Like, I don't right. think it's Dean Ambrose. I don't, I just, I don't, I don't a Dean Ambrose wrestling fan. And I think this company is going to be all about the wrestling. And I just, he's not a great wrestler. He's, more of a WWE guy where his promo work and everything else, he's just better in that regard. When he like zooms in on triple H when (laughs) last week on raw in that creepy weird way, like that's what he's good at. That's his bread and butter. His bread and butter is not putting on a 20 minute wrestling clinic against juice Robinson. Like it's not going to happen. Um, but juice Robinson's a good example of that where it's like he, CJ Parker was just a dumpster fire in NXT, but he reinvents himself and new japan and he's got talent he's he's interesting he's good um granted he should never wrestle cody rhodes ever again because that was bad but um there are guys that you do take flyers on like i think that's the thing is that you just don't push them to the moon your company like that's an insecurity where you're like oh let's just he's an xwe guy we'll maybe get some buzz by pushing him no 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 no. what you do is you put him in like your mid card and see how he works and you see how yeah. he like funnel him into your system but still have like the right guys on top and be confident enough to be like, you know what? No, Kenny's still our bread and butter. He like, he is the, he's the hierarchy Okada guys like that. And then if you give these opportunities, have them earn it and have it, them get some notoriety and be like, let fans go, you know, maybe they were underutilized in uh, the WWE and let it be organic and be like, okay, I could see this. I didn't see it in the last company, but I could see, I could see this. Um, but that's what you do. You just don't push them to the moon immediately. And you're just like, uh, this, this doesn't feel right. Like Dolph Ziggler, if they signed Dolph Ziggler and gave him their title, you're just like, oh, well this is over. Like I would be like, cancel the promotion. It's done. (laughs) They've, they've already, (laughs) they've jumped the ship. Um, it's not working, but I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're a lot more measured. I think they're, they're smart. Yeah. I mean, only time will tell, but you know, I, I completely agree with that. Do you think it ultimately happens, Orton and AEW? I don't. I don't. I mean, Randy Orton, the, the thing about Randy Orton is he is really an ultimate businessman. You know, and it's unique in that now we have an AEW where they have, you know, the Khan family with a lot of money. So, you know, Randy Orton could easily use that as leverage to get a better deal in WWE. And 
frankly, who could blame him? I mean, this is this is his job. He's got a family to support, so I can't blame him for doing that. But ultimately, I see Randy Orton as a WWE guy. Same here. Um, I'm not entirely certain um, what that all means. I mean, there are still other guys that I would rather them target. Like, I want them to target, like, a mixture. Like, that's my main thing. Have variety. Um, get Eli Drake. Go let him talk in AEW for a year or two. I still like his mic work. I still am in on Eli Drake. Go get Johnny Impact. Do not sign Austin Aries as much as it pains me. Dude, stay away from Alberto El Patron. Stay away from those guys. But um, I don't know. I think there's still just a bunch of options. Who do you think, if it's not Orton, who, I think they're going to get somebody. Like I do believe AEW, once it comes out where they're going to be on television, I think that's a bigger thing for them. Because if wrestlers in the company right now in they are not happy with their position and then they know for a fact that AEW is going to be on this big network at a good time slot, then they're more likely, I feel like, to jump. Where it's like, honestly, like, what's the yeah. difference? Uh, if I'm getting paid more, better opportunity, and we're going to be on TV just as much and on a good slot where I'm going to be seen as close to just as much people, like, why would I not make this this switch? And I'm, yeah. I'm fascinated by who makes the most sense here because I do think they're going to get somebody. I just... I, yeah. It just feels like they have to. Yeah, it, they they definitely will. I mean, and to tie this back to an earlier point that we made, I think, you know, what could be really at risk is uh, some of the guys in NXT who are ready for the main roster but are making that NXT money and who are really just waiting on their opportunity on the main stage, you know, they could get a, a great offer from AEW and say, why wouldn't I do it right now when I'm not getting an opportunity in uh, – in WWE and certainly would probably make more money or at least comparable money in AEW. So I think that's a a big risk area. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and then you're going to have more guys, I think go to management and be like Leo rush goes and he's like, why am I a serious character who never loses on two or five live, but I get thrown around like a rag doll, like a comedy act on Monday night raw. Like there's guys like that. Like he could just go and be awesome in AEW. Like that's someone who would just tear the roof off like the place that's just um but nxt have you looked at how deep their roster is now like just how many guys they have in that system there's nowhere for them to go there's so no. many guys now they can't keep so them all many. yeah and it's easy to watch uh the tv show nxt tv and see the same small group of people but in reality the roster of people there's just so many people that aren't on tv uh, you know, they're working live events or not even working live events yet. The roster is so deep. It's so difficult to get an opportunity just to get on NXT TV, much less the main roster. It's very, very crowded. There's too many wrestlers on that roster. Uh, I think you're right. There's just a lot of fish in the sea, and it's certainly going to lead to some of them leaving eventually. Chris Hero's got to go. Like, I understand the gap yeah. of him staying and being annoyed that he's been passed over, but good God. Like the Cassius Ono stuff is never gonna, it's yeah. just not gonna work. I, I would, well, yeah. Although yeah. I will hold out hope one day that the way you write Sheamus off with his back stuff and when he has to retire is Cassius Ono um, saves Cesaro and we get Kings of Wrestling for a year or two. That that that's the dream, right? Is Sheamus is forced <laughs> to retire? Who's actually really good. Sheamus and Cesaro have been great, uh, but that's the replacement. He just gets his old yeah. friend. That'd be great. Yeah, Sheamus and Cesaro were two people that were really kind of lost. But I do like them. I ended up really liking them as a tag team. I think it makes sense. Um, but you're right. You know, Chris Hero, 
he's a guy to me uh, who's just going to be on, on NXT forever, right? There's just going to be some guys that they're simply not going to move up to the main roster. And again, I think those guys are, are going to be at risk of leaving to an AEW if they don't get their opportunity. I mean, you have to wonder, you know, someone, of course, uh, catches on his age. He's in his, he's in his late thirties now. So again, it gets to be that point of it's now or never with these guys on the main roster. My number one pick for NXT guys that should jump is Roderick Strong. I think what we've seen is they have, he will be the blandest main roster guy just of like the last 10 years. Uh, He's not going to get used properly. He's not getting a main, like he's just, he's working so well as a tag team with O'Reilly, but I think that's how the company sees him. I don't think they see him as Mm -hmm. a top guy. And I think he's now, like you said, in that mid 30 zone. But if you yeah. put him in AEW, I think there's a chance that he actually could get some main event run and he would be better utilized just because he's such a damn good worker. Like, he's so yeah. good, but his mic work will never be there. His compelling nature as a babyface will never be there, even though that video he did, his growing up stuff from a couple years ago, was fantastic. But it was. It just, it, it's just, Vince is not pushing that guy to the moon. It's not happening. Maybe if he was like five inches taller, possibly, yeah. but. It's just not happening. Adam Cole is the guy that they're going to push out of that group. And maybe Kyle O'Reilly. Roderick Strong would be my number three pick. Obviously not Bobby Bobby Fish. I, I can be yeah. pretty confident that he's not getting a main title run. But yeah, if I'm Roderick Strong, I think that's that's my play. Is I'm out after the Undisputed Era ends. Is I'm leaving NXT and avoiding falling apart in the main roster and just jumping to AEW. That's, I don't know his contract situation, but he'd be my number one pick to go to AEW. Well, certainly, you know, with his uh, style and his size, you know, you've got to believe based on who we know is going to be an AEW that he's probably a better fit there. Do you think AJ Styles jumps? I don't. I really don't. Okay. I think um, I think he'll eventually sign. Yeah, AJ's one of those guys. He's not a big guy at all. He is a smaller guy. But when you watch AJ work, it's crisp, and he's such a. To me, he's, he's an outlier. He's an exception. He is a smaller guy who really works with the small guys, the big guys. He works with everybody because he's so good. Um, and, you know, I, I see him staying in WWE under a lighter schedule, continuing to make a lot of money. Um, that's what I see. I mean, I'm not saying – I mean, obviously, he'd be a big get for AEW, and certainly they would be foolish not to try and get him. But I do think he'll end up staying with WWE uh, and signing a, a Randy Orton-like deal. Yeah, I think he and Vince have a good relationship. Couldn't you just see those two like talking shit about just all kinds yeah. of stuff for 30 minutes a day? Like, I just feel like they have a great relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Like He didn't have to clear going on the Steven Crowder radio show or whatever it was. Right. He was just like... Vince was like, absolutely. I love that guy. Um, I just <laughs> I <laughs> I just feel like they're on the same page about everything. And I think it's just posturing on his part. And also he's got young kids. He's he's yeah. set. Like this was his he did the New Japan stuff and everything so he could get his big payday in yeah. the WWE. Like I just think this is it for him. And I think he retires in like two years. Like I think this is his next yeah. contract's probably his last one. You know, and I think it's probably yeah. nice for him that his kids get to watch him on TV, be a superhero, and be like this family-friendly babyface that everybody loves. Um, I, I just don't see him leaving. Um, my big pick, though, for the main roster, and it wouldn't be that big just because if he's been presented over the last year and he just made a really bad heel turn, which I don't know why, is Elias. Can you just see 
the indie fans that love the Young Bucks, Paige, Skrull, all those guys, if Elias went to AEW, man, and he got to work with those guys, I couldn't you just see him um, being the elite and being really good and just being someone who could just raise his stock exponentially and turn into like this big, just must-see guy that you're just like, oh, the he, he got out of the, the incubator on Monday Night Raw and now it's now we get it. Now he can have this really dorky fandom that people are all obsessed with and um becomes like a big indie trend. Like I just feel like he's my pick there. Yeah, I, I like Elias. I mean, and you look at him and, and he's even got the size too, like he's a big guy, right? So it's not like you know, so he really does have and he's a only thirty one. Yeah. Uh, and so it's puzzling to me because they initially had something there, you know, with Elias. But the problem was it never changed, right? It's the same thing every single week. He comes out, he starts to sing a song, he gets interrupted. And in a lot of cases, he loses the match, right? right. Uh, he's just kind of a job guy in that regard. And so while he's entertaining, you kind of put a ceiling on him. Like it's this, his character has never evolved. Um, everything he does for the most part is in the ring. It, it's just kind of like such a, a basic, boring presentation that they've kind of really muffled what they could have done with him. And it's just kind of puzzling to me. Would you like to guess uh, what award he won in 2018 for the company? Oh, geez. Um, tell me. Breakout superstar of the year. Wow. 2018. <laughs> Elias. Elias. No, I, I don't think it's happening. I think that was a bad pick <laughs> by the company. I, I don't think it's happening. Is he going to be in? He'll, he'll probably have a segment at WrestleMania, but I, I don't think he's going to get another match. I think that's uh, not happening. So yeah, breakout superstar of the year, Elias for 2018. Uh, what a joke! I'm starting to think these WWE awards don't mean anything. Um, yeah, imagine that. <laughs> can I give you my hottest pro wrestling take right now? Oh. Give it to me. I'm ready. Charlotte and Brock Lesnar are winning at WrestleMania. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that's like a, an extremely hot take. I'll tell you what. I, I have really little interest in seeing Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar. Um, Same here. You know, and they're not giving me a reason to really want it, right? I mean, what is the story here? There's, it's just it's so cooled off before it's even begun. I mean, I, yeah. maybe it'll change, but it, it's, I'm not there at all uh, at all. It's kind of like Tanahashi yeah. and Omega kind of right. Where yeah. you're like, I like these two in a vacuum. It's a big car. Like it's wrestle kingdom. This should be good. And then you watch it and you're like, this is fine. And then Tanahashi wins and you're like, uh, this is fine. Like, okay. Yeah. Like I like him. We like, Seth Rollins, but I think they kind of missed the boat on Seth Rollins. Like he was a lot more over last year, and it's the same thing with Strowman, where it's just they're not striking while the iron is hot. And um, my case was, I was like, this goes back to the Vince stuff. Is like, do people just routinely forget who's booking this promotion? What were we like? Why would Vince, who refused to let Roman Reigns beat Brock Lesnar clean, he had. Roman Reigns in the main event of WrestleMania last year, after years of building up, they had them both beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania. All the storytelling that would end with Roman Reigns beating Brock Lesnar in the main event. He did not do that. 
And then we had that great <laughs> gif of Lesnar throwing the title at Vince after he's walking in the back <laughs> after the match. Um, just fantastic. Um, it's just, why do we believe that Seth Rollins is beating Brock Lesnar clean? Like how, so you're telling me Vince McMahon is not going to put his number one guy since John Cena over clean after years of build at WrestleMania, but he's going to have Seth Rollins beat Brock Lesnar clean. Are you kidding me? When he knows that AEW is jump is chomping at the bit to sign Brock Lesnar. And if Brock Lesnar loses to Rollins, that's probably it for a while. And then he's a free agent and everything else and they'll pay whatever. But like what? I just, I don't think it's going to happen. i I would bet a lot of money on Brock Lesnar beating Seth Rollins. It doesn't make any sense to me from Vince's perspective to give Rollins the rub that he wouldn't even give Roman Reigns. When Roman Reigns finally won the title, there was schmozzy finish stuff involved. It wasn't clean. Right. So we think Rollins, like unless uh, Dean Ambrose or Roman Reigns is involved in some crazy, ridiculous, over-the-top kind of deal, it's not happening. Like Brock Lesnar is not losing clean to Seth Rollins. Yeah, um, and I, I could definitely see Brock winning. I mean, in, in, in the other match as well, you know, I think uh, Vince looks at Charlotte as the guy, uh, no pun intended, in the in the women's division outside of Ronda. Yeah. And so I wouldn't be surprised. That's the pecking order, me. right? Would you agree with me the pecking order for him is one Ronda, two Charlotte, three Becky? Yes, absolutely. I do. So why are we picking Becky? Like there, uh, people are falling for this again. Triple H is even involved. Do you remember how Triple H versus CM Punk ended? Kevin Nash versus Triple H God. in a weird. What was that on a pole match? What was that thing? It was like they had that weird gimmicky match at the pay per view. What was that that they did that didn't even yeah, involve was, CM Punk? <laughs> well, they had Kevin Nash texting himself. Yeah, oh, that, that was, was really how the stuff. summer of Punk ended. <laughs> that was terrible. That that I thought really hurt his character. Um, and it was just Becky Lynch no is payoff. not winning. What were we talking about a year ago? Who ended Oscar's streak at WrestleMania last year? Who did they give that rub to? Charlotte, who has already won like six titles across both shows? Who yeah. is the one that is still finding ways to get involved? Like people who just like I, I'm not saying I agree with it. I am saying that the long term play has always been Charlotte. What were we talking about on the dirt sheets April of last year? It was oh. The first women's main event at WrestleMania that goes on last is going to be Ronda versus Charlotte. That's why they had right. Ronda do what she did. That's why they had Charlotte and Oscar streak. They're building yeah. to Charlotte versus Ronda. They are not moving off that. They are acquiescing the fans a little bit by getting Becky involved because she's too big to not be involved. Right. But they're also doing the CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, Finn Balor kind of deal. Where they're like, we'll include you. But Vince McMahon is still not giving you the keys. Becky Lynch is not getting the keys from Vince McMahon over Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey. That is not happening. Yeah. So you're telling me in a triple threat, both of those are losing? No, it's not happening. Becky Lynch is not making Ronda or Charlotte tap out at WrestleMania. Why would Charlotte lose after beating Oscar the year? Like, no, that nothing about this company's past tells me that yeah. that's going to happen. Yeah, and I think when you look at what happened last year, if Becky didn't get injured by Nia Jax, I mean, we're likely in a scenario where we were still on course for a Charlotte versus Ronda Rousey match. Obviously, yes. plans changed after that, but make no mistake about it, it was going to be Charlotte versus Ronda before that. And I think that's never faded from Vince's mind. I think he sees right. Charlotte as the... I, she's female Triple H. 
She's yeah. getting a bunch of title reigns. She's going to be the dominant force on whatever show she's on forever. Um, it's just that it's going to be Charlotte. It's always been about Charlotte. And it makes the feud with her and Becky so interesting because Becky's character is, I'm annoyed of all this bullshit. Um, I'm really talented and it's not worked and I've gotten over on my own. But when has it ever worked out really for people who've gotten over on their own? When does it ever work out for those people long-term? Very rarely. Yeah, very rarely. <laughs> like, it just... I love Becky Lynch. She's great. She, her and Seth Rollins are not winning at WrestleMania. You, uh, I just... I don't think it's happening. And I just... I can't shake it. And I'm, I'm nervous about how people are going to react. And you know what else Vince is going to love? The internet losing their shit over Brock Lesnar closing out WrestleMania with a win. Oh. Uh. Oh, yeah, because uh, Vince loves the heel heat. I mean, right. he'll, he'll get off over it. I mean, that is something he'll ha, 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 pal. You know, he'll love He's it. He's like, you all bought it. You all watched yeah. it. You all are going on Twitter and talking about us all night. We're going to be the number one trend in the world because you're all upset about me doing the thing that I've always done. Like, it, I, I'm ready. And you're still Brad, watching. We're ready. Yeah, we, we'll still watch it. And he knows yeah. he's got you. God, I'm glad you're on the same page as me because I've I'm very passionate about this take. Um, God, I'm I'm glad you're with me. That felt good. I need to get that <laughs> off my chest. Um, the last thing we <laughs> it is man, and the last thing I want to touch on. Um, so WrestleMania is about Raw and SmackDown is screwed because Daniel Bryan now because he retained the title against AJ, there are no suitable challengers for him in the babyface department. Right. Like, they're not doing Mustafa Ali versus Brian at WrestleMania. Like, great fantasy booking. It's not happening. I would love the match. It's not happening. The most obvious choice is Ray versus Brian. And it will be a great match. Not disagreeing with that. But that is not going to get... Like, that's going to be squeezed in the middle of the show. Like, that might even not even open the show. That just might be some weird... I, I just... I don't think it's going to happen. Like a couple months ago, I expected them to go Miz versus Brian for the belt at Mania, that they would revisit yeah. that as the main SmackDown title match, but that's obviously not happening. So right. they, they've kind of backed themselves into a corner by keeping the belt on him and not putting it back on AJ. Cause I was expecting AJ to get the belt back for WrestleMania season. And then, right. cause there's just so many good heels on SmackDown right now. And then you do, cause my booking, I would have had Orton win the rumble. Oh yeah. Would have had Orton win the rumble and then challenge AJ. And that's what I would have done because he's the ultimate babyface. It would have fit the storyline of like Randy killing all of uh, kids' favorite heroes on SmackDown, and then he goes for the title with AJ, and then they do that at WrestleMania. That feels like a WrestleMania match that Vince would do, right? Orton versus Styles for the title. Yeah, that seems very. It also would feel big for the casual fan. Like they'd be like, "Oh, interesting." Um, but they're screwed. Asuka, who is she facing? Who is left? Charlotte and Becky are gone. Who is Asuka facing that's going to be even remotely interesting after the feud she just had? The Iconics? Yeah, they might be tag team champions. There's no one left on SmackDown. Who yeah. are they fa who's she facing? Sonya Deville? Yeah, they're in a really interesting spot right now. Obviously, they have announced the Superstar Shake-Up coming in April. And they badly need it. I mean, I said this from the very beginning with the original Shake-Up. I just thought the SmackDown roster was just simply not deep enough. And I think that's really been exposed here it's because, like you said, who is Daniel Bryan going to work with? Um, you know, it's just 
there's really nobody to work with. It's all the same, very few limited guys uh, that can work at that main event level. And uh, you're right. I think it's going to be a mid-card WrestleMania match, uh, whatever it is. And, yeah, it's a shame because I have to say, Daniel Bryan, I love what they're doing with this character right now because, you know what, it's relevant to, uh, you know, portions of society today. There's no question about it. And that's what you need to do. And Daniel Bryan actually believes in this. So it's authentic. And so that makes it good a lot of times. Uh, so I like it. But again, who who's the second act in the play? Who's his dance partner? I, I just don't. You know, I don't get it. So I think they're they're really handcuffed by that. And it's too bad because from a character standpoint, this is, you know, arguably his best work. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I don't think there's a right answer here. There's nothing they can really do. They're going to have to pull it on. Like, if you had to guess who he faces, who would you guess? Because I, I just don't see how it's not Rey Mysterio. It's a great question. Uh, you, you know, obviously... The superstar shakeup is after WrestleMania. So with that being said, uh, and, and knowing what matches in, on SmackDown are going into WrestleMania, you're right. I, I don't know who else outside of Rey Mysterio could be, barring, I don't know, barring a, a, a babyface heel switch. But even then, it's you know, too how late. far can they really go? Cause it's, but it's all the same people, right? I mean, it, it, you can't just take any mid-carter and put him in the main event. So you have a limited yeah. set of guys. I don't know who it could be. I really don't. I mean, they just messed up because this should have been Ms. Bryan. Like that's that's how they should have done it. Like that's they should have spent more time. Like the Ms. Chain stuff is enjoyable, but that's how they should have done it. It like they should have had this in the back of their mind. Like this should have been the mess, the WrestleMania main event for them. Um, with some finding a way to get to the Miz and Bryan because those two just don't they feel like the soul of SmackDown? They do to me. Yeah. AJ Styles sprinkled in as well, but like. The Miz, just all of his best work has been on SmackDown. He's enjoyable. Fans just appreciate him now. He's great. Um, Daniel Bryan's obviously great, and their history speaks for themselves, and I just, that's what it should have been. And yeah. I think they messed up. Yeah, they, But even I, Asuka, who is she facing? Uh, There's she, no one left. Yeah. Well, the whole the whole Asuka thing is puzzling because, you know, whether you like her or whether you don't, they have her tap out Becky Lynch, which... You know, I wasn't a fan of, right? Because when is Stone Cold Steve Austin going to tap out to Bret Hart? He's going to pass yeah. out, right? Uh, especially when she goes on to win the Rumble. So I didn't like that at all. But if you're going to have Asuka get a big win, and then she's gone off the show for three straight weeks after after the Royal Rumble. The SmackDown staple. Really, yeah. Like, what have you done for her character? Uh, it's just so puzzling to me. What's the point of keeping the title on her when she's, Right now, an afterthought, even in the women's division on SmackDown. And she's the champion. Yeah. Like, let me give you the list of <laughs> female wrestlers on SmackDown right now that she could theoretically face. Because Asuka is a babyface <laughs> right now, right? Like, aren't we just saying... She's not a tweener. I feel like she's just a babyface. Right. Um, you have Billy Kay, who sucks. Billy Kay is atrocious. Uh, I don't know if you've been yeah. watching her matches on SmackDown the last couple of months. Like, she's terrible. Just awful. Yeah, she's terrible. Yeah, it's, I agree. <laughs> I want them to be good. Peyton Royce was okay in that NXT TakeOver match a couple months. I guess it was maybe a year ago now. But she's fine. I think she has more upside than Billy Kay. I want them to be good. Like, I'm not trying to be mean-spirited. But they, like, Billy Kay especially sucks. You just have to be honest about this stuff. She's really bad. Um, Carmella is no longer a heel. And you're not doing Asuka Carmella after that right. last year with that feud. Oh, God. Um, yeah. No. Don't revisit that for WrestleMania. 
Lana cannot wrestle. Um, no. I Mandy Rose. God, does that feel like a WrestleMania title match? Oscar versus Mandy Rose. No. <laughs> Naomi. No. Peyton Royce. We talked about maybe Sonya Deville. Maybe, yeah. but Sonya Deville loses all the time. She's not yeah. a bit like. The most realistic answer, I feel like, is Selena Vega. Yeah, I guess that would be something uh, something fresh. Uh, not, she hasn't been buried in the women's division. It's something fresh. So I guess you can see that. But you're right. Again, it, it's an indictment on the depth of the SmackDown roster. You know, it, it's just... I, I don't know. I don't know what they're... How do you book your way out of that? I don't know. I think there's only one solution here. And it, you have to have Nikki Cross win a number one contender battle royal kind of deal you have to do cross versus oscar i think that's what you have to do to save it and that could be interesting i love how uh you know nikki cross understands her character well now i would love to see them continue to evolve her character i think they get lazy right when someone comes in and they have some charisma or know their character well they kind of just lazily rely on that and try not to they don't do too much with it but characters have to evolve they have to show different sides of themselves and I think if they can do that with uh, Nikki Cross, you know, she's she's really pretty good. Um, I do like her. I think there's something there. So you're right. I mean, I would be all on board with uh, Asuka and Nikki Cross. Yeah, I think that's the play. I think they should just let us book their company. I think we have a better idea of what they should do than uh, Road Dog and uh, the boys. I thought we were booking. Aren't we in charge now? Isn't that what they said on Monday Night Raw? Oh, that's right. We are in charge. <laughs> that is correct. Um. All right, man. Well, I think that's everything tonight, right? I think, uh, is there anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? Chase, I mean, we could uh, talk about this. I honestly, Chase, for like, you know, 12 hours. Um, that's true. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, you know, we have live, so we can't do that. But it's, yeah. <laughs> I think that's everything. All right. All right. Well, people, go check out All Elite Wrestling's uh, event tonight. I don't even know what to call it. Um, I wish I was there. Seems like a fun time. Sure, we're going to see some cool stuff. Wrestling is in an interesting place. This is still kind of an exciting time, but Brad, it's always a pleasure doing this. Uh, Let's talk again soon, man. Yeah, likewise. Enjoyed it. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate if you could take a second and leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Uh, Thank you for your support, and we'll be back with another episode very soon. Thanks, guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.